Dude, when the weather gets cold like this, nothing beats like a warm Miller Lite that you had under your bed. Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 22. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by the wet bandit, Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. That was a seasonally appropriate reference. I like that. I wonder how many of our listeners are going to get that Home Alone reference. A lot of them, bro. Our listeners are old. I mean, not not old, old, but reasonably old, I think. I think, I think you're probably right. Oh, man. So last night, I was... Sitting in my bathroom, getting ready to go to sleep. And my cat just gives me this weird look. And I hear a hissing noise from the kitchen. So I hurry up and get out. And my floor, kitchen floor, into the bathroom is just absolutely covered in water. And the hose that we had connected to our refrigerator that does the filtered water and runs the ice maker had burst and there was about a quarter inch of water everywhere the ceilings below us were ruined it went all the way down into the basement and i spent all today cleaning and dealing with the plumber to get the water back on and washing all the towels and blankets that we had to use thankfully thankfully none of the cardboard got damaged so i'm i'm counting my lucky stars yeah, that sounds like quite the hydroblast. I got I got hit pretty hard. So, yeah, you said no cardboard was damaged. All's well that ends well. No, uh, no permanent damage to the house or anything. Well, we we're gonna have to replace the ceilings, the floor on the floor below us, and we might have to do some stuff with the subflooring. I'm not sure how much damage there was to that. I think we got to it pretty quick. Damn. But yeah, I'm I'm not sure what the damage is going to look like once we once we get rid of the ceiling below and uh and figure out what everything looks like. Dude, that's brutal. Yeah, it was it was rough. I have like a severe distrust of cats, so what I'm thinking is your cat probably did it. No, because it's like it was literally behind our refrigerator with almost no room to the wall. We had to we had to like really move our fridge out of the way so we could get to it. And then as soon as we did that, the hose started spraying everywhere. And uh yeah, I got I got hit. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in dirty, musty smelling water because we hadn't cleaned under the refrigerator in in who knows how long. And we had to cut the water so I couldn't even take a shower. It was man, it was just gross. Ah, oh, that's brutal, man. We had a pretty pretty slow week in Legacy. I mean, no big events, right? Uh, I think this is going to be like a more regular cast, like a getting back to basics cast. We're going to go through the, uh, the challenge and the Legacy deck dump, highlight some lists that we saw, some interesting stuff. The, the deck dump was like 50 lists long. There was so much stuff there. Yeah, first we just wanted to uh, make a couple announcements, I guess. We had some new patrons. 
We did. I Every week, I'm blown away by how much support we're getting. And we had three new patrons this week. And we're almost at our third goal. Uh, we would like to thank Michael Ames, Alabmart, who I'm pretty sure is the... Oh, that's, that's that dude, Vincent. Yeah, the mono blue popper Delver player, who I believe you played. You played him in the, the Legacy Tournament, right? Correct. Okay. And Daniel Rude. Or it could be Rude, but I think he's from the U.S., so, so we'll just say that it's Rude. We'd like to thank all of those people, and we're looking forward to hitting our third goal. Which is? Which is, we're getting a Twitch overlay, and all of that, all of that three in the morning rug streaming that you've been doing, you can, you can go on Twitch and you can have like 12 people watching you. Bro, are you going to get back in streaming? I am. So the goal is to, is to recruit somebody to get an overlay. I have one from an old team that I was a part of that sort of isn't around anymore. And I, I really have no idea what I'm doing with Twitch. I want to find somebody that understands how to like integrate the plugins and get all that cool stuff. Like maybe cardboard live. Maybe if we knew somebody from there that could help us out, but I, I definitely want to, I just, I haven't, I haven't made the commitment to get back into it. Yeah. I've never thought about streaming before, but a couple people brought it up to me this week and yeah, it's something in the back of my mind. I would be opposed to, so Cool. We got a an email this week. We've gotten some some pretty cool emails in the past, I'd say. We've gotten some uh some good ones, some some instant classics, but this one 10 out of 10. I got to say this is the top email we've ever received. Now, are we going to read it word for word? That's a good question, man. I I think uh Yeah, do you mind if I go for it? Nope, absolutely. It's going to be all you. Salutations, gentlemen. I would love to help you guys throw Jerry and the newbie into the goddamn gutter by out donating the shit out of them. I'm not a perfect person. My opinion on the reserve list is flawed, but I would really like Jerry to get his mother effing comeuppance. I am a huge fan of Sneak and Show the podcast, but they still have a lot to learn, pronunciation being one of those things. So without further ado, I would like to donate my signed counterspell playmat from Eternal Weekend this year to be auctioned off for the family that is being supported this year with only one request. Anorod Baskets free spot. So yeah, we have here the counterspell playmat from Eternal Weekends in near mint condition, pristine, donated by our boy DJ Seco. Outstanding. Thank you, DJ. And Ian and I were talking about things that we were going to make sure that went toward this awesome cause. And I don't want to keep on piling on the playmats, but I know that I'm going to be putting up my Library of Alexandria playmat and my Bazaar of Baghdad playmat, which were the VIP playmats from Eternal Weekend last year and three years ago. I could be wrong about when the library mat was, but it was whenever it was still in Columbus. So I think that was three years ago. And another card to be determined. I got a really good deal on a time vault a while ago, and it's just sitting in my binder. 
Ooh. I was trying to think of how much we want to crush Pat and Jerry and whether or not that should go up for auction. But I'm I'm thinking about making that something we're gonna put up. Dude, that's some that's some serious hard hitters. We hadn't discussed this at all. This is the first time hearing of this. I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, well, I mean, we want to win, right? And by any means necessary. Yeah, I figured that any means was just going to be me cutting a check at the end to pass whatever number they said they had. But that's uh, that's fucking sick, bro. Yeah, well, you know what? Since your offer is now on the table, we can, uh, we can just do that. I'll keep my time vault. <laughs> so, yeah, we've been talking about this adopt-a-family thing. Well, we've been talking about it in private for a while, but on the cast, I think we started maybe two or three weeks ago talking about this. And it's been kind of nebulous, right? Like we, we've we been like, oh, we don't know exactly when it's going to start. We don't know, you know, exactly what's going on. And it kind of reminded me of like when you're at a show, like a festival, and there's a kind of a chill band playing. And then all of a sudden, somebody who goes hard comes on. And I know you're familiar with this concept because you've seen Rammstein before. But everybody's like, you know, you were saying excuse me to these people if you stepped on their feet a minute ago. And now the circle is tightening up. People are dancing silly in the middle. And we're about to start fucking smashing people. Yeah, well, we got to get we got to get a move on. Christmas is coming up and we need to make sure that we get this taken care of. It's for a great cause. So I'm looking forward to getting it started. Yeah, and thank you, DJ, for throwing the first punch. It was a hard one and is much appreciated. So that's going to go up for auction on Wednesday. So everybody who wants this counterspell playmat, happy bidding. All right. So we, in addition to the challenge and the deck dump that we have, we have a we have a Legacy Grand Prix coming up this week, too. Is it really this week? I, I think it's this weekend. I think it is starting... This Friday, we have a Japanese Legacy Grand Prix, so for sure, we are going to see some crazy stuff, but we get to see a Legacy Grand Prix. The Legacy portion is Friday, Saturday, and Standard is Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, man, Grand Prix Shizuoka. Is it going to be on Nico Nico or Twitch? What do you think? Uh, I'm not sure. I know that Anarog and a few other people are going to be doing an English translation or English coverage of the stream on Twitch. Oh, sick. I think I think that's probably what I would be most likely to tune into. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't realize that was happening. I will have Nico Nico on for a minute, though, just because I love watching that coverage. Watching watching the scrolling bars that they have on there is delightful. Bro, it's amazing. You don't have to be distracted at all to read the chat because it's just, like, in your face. It, it's a perfect I, – I think it's perfect, honestly. But then there are people among us who want no chat on coverage at all, so – I guess it's not perfect for them. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to bite on that. <laughs> Damn it. So, did you get any, play any Legacy this week? Actually, I got to cook Thanksgiving dinner for my family. I got to get sick and recover. And I got to do a bunch of laundry and mopping. So, that was, that was my week. Yeah, it sounds pretty rough, man. I was off Friday. And we didn't really travel. We just went to the in-laws. I was actually uh, drove by your house a couple times this weekend. Yeah, I heard you were in you were in my town for yep. your in-laws Thanksgiving. I thought you were going to swing by. I saved I saved some beers for you. I drove by, but there was water pouring out the windows, so I just kept going. Yeah, thanks, bud. <laughs> there, uh, there's another opportunity this weekend because I'll be in Salem, but 
anyway, I was around, and our friend, listener, Tom Cairns, had been sending me some messages about the bug deck. And he, I guess, had been playing a lot of modern recently, but he was getting back into the swing of Legacy and playing some more leagues with it. So he'd sent me a couple lists. I'd sent him back some thoughts. And I was honestly pretty excited to, to run some leagues with it. So I started those on, I believe, Friday and played a couple on Friday. I played a couple leagues with like a, like a Bug Delver, a Noble Bug Delver deck that I've been thinking about also this weekend. So I, I got like four leagues in. Do you have a big collection? No, I have zero collection now. I, I've sold literally all my cards that I can sell. Unfortunately, with Magic Online, you're stuck with the chaff, right? But I sold my Hierarchs. I sold my Wastelands. I sold my Forces. Like the, the cards that I've been hanging on to because they are in so many decks, I just straight fucking sold everything because I have no confidence in the Magic Online economy right now. I, I think it'd be crazy to feel like those are like good assets to be holding, right? I completely agree with you. This is a big part this is a big part of mana traders that we actually I don't think we discussed on the podcast before, but it was a big part of my calculation, right, with deciding to get into mana traders. It's funny because relative to the cost of the decks, the cost of the subscription is actually higher right now. Like the average deck I'm renting is like five hundred and fifty ticks when it used to be like seven hundred. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it to me not to be holding a thousand dollars in toxic assets every every month, you know. A- at the end of the day, it might break out even. Like it might be, you know, a year before my collection would have gone to zero, and over that time period, I've spent a thousand dollars on mana traders. But I was able to play literally every deck I wanted to whenever I wanted to over that time period. So I feel like it's just straight win win. Yeah, and the the great thing about it is if the online market continues to sort of follow the trend that it's been following, you can probably get away with the the 500 ticket subscription getting you almost everything you need for Legacy. We're almost at that point right now where the most expensive Legacy decks to rent are in that range. Bro, I was wondering about that because I'm renting decks with Dazes and True Names and Wastelands and it's not getting over 550 ever. So that that's good to know, man. I might be able to kick my subscription down. Yep, I haven't downgraded my subscription from the $50 a month plan. But it's definitely something that I've been looking at because the card prices are lowering and you can pretty much rent whatever you want on the lesser subscription, which is just great. It's kind of crazy too with like the market as a whole too, right? So playing Tom's bug deck uh, the best result I had was 3-2. I played a lot of combo decks. It was like late at night, Friday night. And I feel like late at night, you get a lot of Japanese players. And by late at night, I mean like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. Uh, some Japanese players and I guess just some degenerate combo players that keep like night hours maybe. I was playing against a lot of Dredge, a lot of Black Red Reanimator, that sort of thing. So the deck is was pretty good. Some of the changes that Tom suggested is he's back on Snapcaster Mages. And I, I really like that. And off of the four basic mana base. And I've played three matches against like the typical Grixis control deck at this point. And all three matches, I felt like a deterministic favorite. 
So you've got like Leovold as like another bomb you can slam against them that they don't have like main deck counter magic for, and they have, they sort of have to play into. You have as many Strixes as they do, so you're not falling behind on cards. Really, the only thing you have to worry about is the snap Kolagon's command recursion, and I, just having access to as many true names as we do. I don't know, man. Sometimes we get down to like below 20 cards in library, but the whole time I'm just in the driver's seat. So I really think that that deck is probably close to as good as the Grixis deck right now. The the bug deck that I tried playing some leagues with, I'm sorry, the Delver deck that I tried playing some leagues with did not go as well. I played against all fair decks on Sunday, 10 in a row, which is pretty crazy. There were three Death and Taxes decks, two Grixis decks, two bug decks that were similar to the one I was playing on Friday. Uh, it just, it really didn't go as well as I thought it would. I, I sketched out a list that was like, you know, nobles and true names, but with stifles, just in a bug shell, and basically with thought season instead of bolt. But what I realized is you really need that reach in so many of these matchups. The Having lightning bolts, having direct damage in your deck is just so important. And I couldn't get across the line against a lot of these decks. Marsh casualties is a huge liability in my opinion. I hated that card with a passion when you're playing Hierarchs because you start out Trop Hierarch and you're still two mana off casting Marsh Casualties, right? And against a, a deck that's harassing your mana like Death and Taxes, it's just a huge pain in the ass. So I really appreciated having uh, Electricery or Blazing Volley in the rug list. Uh, one thing I noticed that was pretty crazy that I noticed playing rug too is just the amount of times that I'm passing on turn one well, where I'll have a Delver in hand and not deploy it, which is not something that I noticed happening too much before the ban. But with the cards that I'm playing now, like Spell Snare and Stifle, there's so much reactive stuff that you just you don't want to be giving up that turn one to deploy your threat, especially if you don't have a daze. But even sometimes if you do have a daze, like you need to be able to stifle their first land drop, right? I, I mean... I would be very hesitant to not play my turn one Delver in this format. Obviously, like, stifling their first fetch land is great, but stifle gets way better when you have a board presence, and taking your turn one to not play your Delver and have them play a basic planes or a basic island is just so backbreaking that I don't... I don't think that that's something that I would be patient enough to do. Yeah, I should have specified, too. I mean uh, post-board games. Sorry, in the dark, I'm probably still deploying that Delver. But So first of all, if you're on the draw and Spell Snare is live to hit their two-drop, that's just a good spot to be you know, not casting anything on turn one. But in the post-board games, like a lot of times the... Like Grixis control player will know, okay, they're tapped out. Now's my chance to fetch. Like this is an important fetch I need to hit. Or if you're, uh, let's say you have like a ponder and you need to hit your next land drop against like a wasteland deck, you can just go fetch land pass, not expose yourself to the wasteland, and then cast a ponder and hit your next land drop. So I've just been finding myself. This is something that our friend Ryan had mentioned to me like six weeks ago that he was passing more than ever on turn one. And at the time I was like, uh, nice, you know, it's like a 20% thing. 
But I'm finding now, after getting more and more matches in with Rug and Bug, that I'm passing a lot turn one, too. So it's just something I noticed. It's interesting. Okay. I will take your word for it. Another thing I did was I tried playing Mission Briefing. On Leaving a Legacy, they had that dude who won the uh, the Leaving a Legacy Open. Yeah. Talking about Mission Briefing. And in my bug list, I just had like an empty slot at the end, so I, I stuck a Mission Briefing in to see how it was. Dude, that card is a mindfuck to play with. Like, It was really good for me, to to tell the truth. There's so much about it that you forget. Like, it's You think of it as being like a thought scour. But it's surveil. It's not, you know, mill two. So you get in these scenarios where you're like, oh, I don't want to, you know, after a ponder, I want to keep one of these two cards and get rid of the other one. This is great for that. This, you know, it can it can stack the top of your decks. You know, those cards aren't straight to your graveyard. And the other thing is that, you know, it's not a snapcaster. So you can uh, you can pay like force of will by discarding a card in your hand you can daze by returning a land so you wind up in a lot of scenarios where it's it seems better than a snapcaster honestly for that for like a delver deck yeah the um the winner of that tournament was ross mcgee i talked with them at the tournament and actually was talking to them after on facebook where i think the finals i was watching on Twitch at home. I ended up making it home in time to watch the finals. And I had made a comment in Twitch chat on a play that got made toward the end of one of the games in the finals where I thought the game was like completely locked up with what he had drawn from a ponder and he decided to shuffle and I was I was questioning that and he sent me a message about it. So we talked a little bit earlier about Twitch chat. It's awesome when it can be productive and you can start conversations with people about things they've said. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. So mission briefing gets your thumbs up. Yeah, it, it's an interesting card. I've been thinking a lot about it today now after playing with it for the first time and starting to think about like what sort of more direct synergies you can run with that card. You know, think about stuff like, oh, can I play this in a deck with Lingering Souls, with Cabal Therapy, you know, like a, a mentor sort of, like an Esper mentor build. It's just got my, my juices flowing. Once you sort of play with the card and see how it works out, it's, it's pretty appealing. I'm going to put you on the spot. Mission Briefing or Risk Factor? Pick one. What do you mean? For, like, which card do I like more? Yeah. Oh, mission briefing, bro. Not close. Okay. All right. Fuck it. I hate everything about Risk Factor. I just thought it was going to be played. I saw you mention it later on in the cast notes, so I just wanted to get that out of there <laughs> right now. Yeah, so in the, the Legacy Challenge, I believe is what you're referring to. It It is. We had uh, Andrew Tangem, I believe, won with Death and Taxes. Like a traditional build. It was uh, nothing cute. It was like three Revokers, an Avenger... Two Crusaders and a Jailer, I believe. And there was a lot of chalk in the top, sort of what we expect to see. Aggro, Loam, Grixis Control, Ant, Trinity Tell, Topher, and Anurag playing Miracles. And then there was the stock Blue-Red Delver build, which is three Risk Factors. Yeah, was there anything in the challenge that you saw that you wanted to talk about? Not too much. 
Except I was looking at Facebook the other day and Topher had made a post officially declaring that the pronouncement of his moto name is M-Z Frost. Not Ms. Frosty, but M-Z Frost. So from now on, we will refer to Topher by the correct pronunciation of his name, M-Z Frost. So that's the correct pronouncement confirmed? Confirmed. All right. Dan Neely is a monster with none of the reliquary decks. Brandon Osborne is control for days. Yeah. Just, we see a, a stacked top eight. Yeah, for sure. These are all names I recognize. So in, uh, in 18th place, there was a list that we didn't talk about on the cast, I believe, but we talked about privately last week, which was the, uh, I don't know what to call this list. The patron wizard list. I don't know. The merfolk wizard tribal list. I think that I would just refer to this list as your wizard, Harry. And I know you're not going to get that reference because you don't know anything about geek culture, but that's from Harry Potter. It was a popular book and film franchise. I just, I wanted to fill you in about that. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I know, I know that there's a, a thing called Harry Potter, but now can we can we actually tell the listeners how lacking in in all of this that your your sort of background is? Well, can you really call it lacking? It, it is. We, so we had we had Doctor Rich Shea on the cast, and he referred to Klingons, and you <sighs> did not know what a Klingon was. You knew that it was from the star something, but I'm pretty sure if we gave you a quiz, you couldn't tell the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. Is that right? I know that a Klingon is spelled K-L-I-N-G-O-N, and it's from Star Trek. Okay, that's more than I thought that you knew. I had to look it all up after we cast it, because I thought he said Klingon, and I had no idea if it was like a country or what, but... Yeah, it, it's uh, it's rough, man. I, I've never seen Star Wars, and at this point, it's like uh, a badge of honor for me. So I'm never going to see it. I've never seen uh, Harry Potter, and at this point, uh, similarly, not going to see it. So, I just I want to let you know that I am really disappointed, and I think that we might have just found our next Patreon stretch goal. <laughs> Where not, not gonna happen, bro. It's not gonna happen. No. It's not you would not watch a single Star Wars movie ever. Period. Full stop. I mean, I've heard such bad things about them at this point that like I feel like the well's already poisoned. We gotta ch- got listen everybody, we gotta change this. I need your help. Now to be fair, some some people whose opinions I, I do trust have told me that the the first three movies that came out around 1980 are pretty decent, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be morally opposed to watching those, I guess. Okay, all right. So the you're our wizard Harry list. It honestly, when I saw this deck top eight the team open at the SCG, I really thought like, man, it must have been great for that legacy player to get carried by a standard and his modern player, but. It- Maybe maybe this deck is for real. Like, it's got counterspells and tempo creatures and aether vial. So go nuts. 
Well, I mean, what do you think about this? I think that Patron Wizard is an amazing card. I mean, tap and untapped wizard you control. So it basically has like ability haste. You know, it's not like uh, it has to tap to use this ability. And it it counters any spell. It's not just like, you know, uh, piercing only instant or sorcery or whatever. Like uh, Judge's Familiar or Mausoleum Wanderer or something along those lines. This card seems like lights out in a lot of scenarios. Like if you can go, you know, vile into like a spell stutter sprite into some other wizard and vile this guy in, back that up with a couple wastelands and they're up Shit's Creek, right? Yeah, you don't even need the wastelands. Like obviously this card is nuts off of a vile activation, but man, it's kill on sight. I think this list sort this list and Vincent, the mono blue popper delver player from the LOL event, it highlights how good Spellstarter Sprite is. That card is kind of for real. I think there was a there was a streamer from the West Coast that remember when you played in the Legacy Preservation series? Yes. Somebody who does the commentary for that. I can't remember his name. Oh, Jordan. That's Jordan. Yes, yes. He always seemed to be playing Jeskai Spellstarter Sprite lists in like a Stoneblade shell. Yeah. And that card always surprised me at how effective it was. This shell really takes advantage of that. Bro, I've been thinking about this card since I played that mono blue player. This card is really fucking good. I always just like read it and just assumed that it pierced stuff or, you know, however many fairies you had, it leaked for that much. That's not what it does. I mean, you know what it does, but it's a lot better than I thought it was. Yeah, that that in Riptide Laboratory. I love that card. Yeah, that's another card that's gotten me before. So I, I think that this list... Remember last week we were talking about, like, do you think that the the mono blue popper deck with some additions could be better than Merfolk or whatever? I think that this list might just be better than either of them. Yeah, well, I mean, this list is like half fish, half fairies, and it just it has some very unique effects and creatures that are just straight up kill on sight. Patron wizard. Patron Wizard can do some work. I think if we hit that goal... Sorry, I, I don't want to say if. When we end up hitting our Patreon goal, this is probably the first list that I want to play. It looks fun to play, like legitimately fun. Yeah, it does. Hold on, I, gotta, I still got to get a beer. Dude, when the weather gets cold like this, nothing beats like a warm Miller Lite that you had under your bed. That's the grossest thing. That I think that I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm not kidding, bro. I, I think that Miller Lite is equally as good warm as it is cold. Yeah, they're both awful. Like, if you had a scale, if it was a volume control that you were using to measure how good that was, they would both be equally as good because it would be all the way down. Like, you cannot turn it below zero and warm and cold Miller Lite should both be muted. So is this something you learn in like beer snob school or? No, just can you, you can understand 
that while there is a place for Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light, it is not in saying it is equally good <laughs> as it warm as it is cold. I don't know if you're like trolling me right now, no, but I no, feel very I'm not, strongly about this. I'm not, I'm not trolling you, and I'm not saying to boil it, but I'm just saying at room temperature, it still maintains its delicious properties. Oh, Jesus. What uh? What are you drinking? It doesn't matter. What double hopped IPA, Pilsner, uh, coffee, pumpkin stout do you have? Well, it's a stout. It's a coffee stout <laughs> from Treehouse that I got before Thanksgiving. Let's get back to the cast. We don't need to talk about... We don't need to talk about this anymore. The the warm Miller Lite comment's getting me all heated. <laughs> I'll make sure not to drink it while I'm watching Star Wars. <laughs> all right. So, so anyway. What do you think the list, walking ballista is doing in this list? Uh, it's an artifact for Grand Architect, right? You can play your Master of Waves and get like a million tokens and then tap them all to play a gigantic walking ballista. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, I just saw the first two lines on this Grand Architect card. What is this thing even from? I've never seen this card before this list. Uh, Scars of Mirrodin. There used to be a standard deck that used this to power out like worm coil engines and some other crazy stuff. With like ornithopters and shit? No. It, it played like the sword cycle from scars it just it played a bunch of blue creatures and then it played this to ramp out some of the heavier artifacts from that block okay yeah this card is interesting it's a lot of text for basically saying you can convoke shit yeah it's it's a interesting card yeah and it's a lord right like it pumps your whole team i think that's the big part about it right because you don't have lord of atlantis you don't have uh Lord of the Pearl Trident or whatever the other one's called. So yeah, I, I guess this is just for like the Master of Waves effect. Yep, I I agree with that. Cool, man. Yeah, I think this list, whoever developed this list, I think they did a really good job. I think that this is pretty tight. I, I like a lot of the decisions, like the Harbinger of the Tides against like your Merit Lage decks. Uh, I think it's, it's well-tuned for the meta, in my opinion. So I, I am definitely going to grind some leagues with this. Awesome. Yeah, so is that uh is that all from the challenge? Did you see anything else? No, I that's all that I saw that I really wanted to talk about. Everything else we are just starting to see kind of a convergence in what people are playing. I didn't see any extra interesting things except maybe the four Trinisphere version of Eldrazi Stompy. Yeah. With Mox that. Diamond. Yeah. And extra soul lands, like it's playing four tomb, four city, and two crystal vein. Yeah. Other than that, I thought everything was was kind of standard, and didn't didn't really want to talk about it too much. All right, cool. So on to the deck dump then, I guess. There were a lot of lists, man. I don't know, maybe because Thanksgiving, there's a lot of people with time off playing a lot of extra leagues. But I feel like every archetype I could possibly think of was represented in this deck dump. Yeah, well, we have, even though it's not really for our market, we have a Legacy Grand Prix coming up, right? And you start to see a little bit more participation in the leagues leading up to Grand Prix. So there was a lot of very interesting stuff. And 
I wouldn't. I would say that the Grand Prix this week has a non-zero amount to do with that. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. So one of the lists that stood out to me that I was super happy to see was Psy 2011, 5-0'd with a white Eldrazi build. That if you go back to September, I actually played this deck in a challenge, extremely similar deck. It was off by, I want to say, six or seven cards. But basically the premise of the deck is like a white chalice deck, right? You're, you're playing Ancient Tombs and City of Traders, and then you're playing Eldrazi Temple to get your Eldrazi out ahead of curve. And Mox Diamond, because cards like City of Traders, which is even worse than a Legendary Land, like having two of them is really dead. Caracas, which is also like effectively, which is a legendary land. That stuff you don't mind pitching extra copies to Mox Diamond. So this deck, without a doubt, can stick more turn one chalices, like more reliably than any other deck. I guess uh, it'd be on par with the Blood Moon decks that play. What's the card? Simeon Spirit God. But just the strength of Eldrazi Displacer and Containment Priest in the main deck is what got me thinking about this deck. The way that I did it, I had three Palace Jailers. This person only had one. And I had three Recruiter of the Guards. And this person went with three Thalia Heretic Cathars and three Reality Smashers, whereas I played like a small Recruiter package of Mirren Crusader, Phyrexian Revoker, and Sanctum Prelate. But other than that, this deck is pretty much exactly what I was trying out, and it's really cool to see that it 5-0'd. Because I felt like, in terms of theory, that there must be a deck here. But I really didn't enjoy playing it. And I remember my experience with it. I played a challenge in a league, and I never won or lost back-to-back games. Like, I would go win, lose, or back-to-back matches, I should say. I went win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. So it was a chalice deck, basically. It was kind of like your experience last weekend, I guess, playing a chalice deck where you can get hit by variants and it can get frustrating. So I kind of bailed on it, but it's cool to see someone playing it. Yeah, I just feel like there's a little bit added variance with your mana base where you have seven white sources if you don't count Mox Diamond. Actually, sorry, not seven because you have Cavern. So you have seven-ish white sources if you don't count Mox Diamond. And it obviously has a very high ceiling you can play turn one thalia and turn one chalice and you also have that sort of eldrazi creature package backed up with the equipment from stoneforge mystic and displacer priest for removal light decks but i'm struggling to see what this deck would be better against than regular Eldrazi? I guess Storm, because you not only have your Chalices, but you also have a bunch of Thalias. Yeah, I would think that it would be Grixis Control and Miracles as well because of the Thalia effect. Because they're, you're not giving them time to get out from under cantrips. Like, Thalia is basically like another Chalice in a way. It's, it's a thorn, basically, you know? Yeah, but this this deck kind of lacks that explosive ability to go wide that the Eldrazi Stompy deck had because there's no there's no Ivugan there's 
very, there's none of the smaller Eldrazi creatures. You're basically just you're wanting up the curve and playing double spell without Mox Diamond is kind of tough for this deck. Yeah, one thing that I realized about this deck really quick is that Ancient Tomb is effectively like card advantage because you're getting two land drops in one. So that was sort of what I found. And like the the engine of Displacer plus Containment Priest to just blank any creatures they put into play. I kind of agree with you that this deck isn't stronger than uh, Eldrazi Aggro or like a Blood Moon Stompy build in terms of like the raw power. But I, I feel like it belongs on the same plane as those decks. If this list was tuned properly like to be the best 60 that it could be, I feel like it could stand with those decks. Okay. This is something that I would like to explore. Careful what you wish for, bro. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I have time. <laughs> and I enjoy, I enjoy playing Magic. I even enjoy playing Arena with the pre-constructed decks. I'm like hooked. I've been playing every day. That's... That's interesting, man. Yep. What uh what caused this? What did you have some sort of traumatic incident? I maybe maybe as my kid is getting me up earlier and earlier and I'm getting less and less sleep, my old edge that I used to have is just completely wearing down and I'm just completely flying in the middle of where Wizards of the Coast wants me to be. So, I bought a box of of ultimate masters and I'm playing arena. What the, what the fuck happened to me? Bro. That's a sad state of affairs, man. What what are you hoping to get out of that box of ultimate masters? It doesn't matter. I, there was an, there was an eBay coupon day and I got, I got the box plus the topper for $220 and I don't care what actually comes out of the box, but I saw that price and I just, I bought it. So are you going to rip it open? Yeah, I mean, why do you buy packs? You buy packs to rip them open. I have a problem where if I have packs, they're going to get opened. I can't keep stuff sealed because opening a pack of Magic cards is like one of the most fun things that you can do. Dude, I cannot relate to this at all. Yeah, I, I hate the feeling of opening that's a Magic That's crazy. Set. That's absolutely crazy to me. I have a basement. Do you know this? I have a basement my, in my basement. I have a basement. That was a fucking genius statement. Yep, I'm it, so I'm so proud of you. In my basement, there are at least eighty packs of Battle Bond, Dominaria, and shit like that. Because I go into card stores to like you know see my friends, see the owners of the store, see what they have in the display case, and I feel bad like if there's nothing that I want to just leave without buying anything. So a lot of times I'll buy like two or three packs of Battle Bond or Dominaria or whatever seems like. I'm getting fucked the least on. And I used to just open those packs, but then I was like, I, I can't make myself open these packs anymore. So I just have at least 80 packs in my basement of especially those two sets, but also some others like Eldritch Moon. I just can't make myself open the packs. Do you want me to open those packs for you? I, I guess. I, so th there's kind of like a conundrum because those Dominaria packs are going to be worth less when it rotates, right? So I kind of have to open them soon. I, I agree. Isn't Teferi like 50 bucks too? I actually kind of think I want to buy my cards now. Oh shit, it is 50 bucks. It's $48 right now. Yeah. How much is Karn? Like 20. I'm buying, I'm going to buy Karns. 
I thought, I, like you're, I thought you were talking about Karn 7. Wait, what? Karn 7. Karn 7 is, like, halved in price since last week, right? Oh, well, I mean, it got it got spoiled in the new reprint set. But I have my Karn 7s. Okay. I have Spanish Karn 7s. I meant the Karn 4s. Karn I never, El Conquistadoro? Whatever, whatever it is. But I feel like Karn 4, Karn 4 is good. Yeah, that's reasonable. I I bought Chandra's for that reason, like the Torch of Defiance, the one from uh, whatever set Kaladesh or whatever. Yeah, the four the four ability one, right? Yeah, I bought that because it was twenty, and I was like, it got reprinted with those uh, I don't know, Challenger decks, I think they were called. Yep. And I was like, oh, this is an Eternal card that I'm gonna play. So I snapped up uh, three of those. And now they're like six bucks. Yeah. So I kind of feel the same coming for Karn. Well, I like I like Karn at 18. So we'll see. We'll see how this comment comes back to me. Bro, I was thinking we should do like a, a financial cast one time between like now and Christmas. Because you see like uh, the numbers that the reserve list cast did. So there's titles on our cast, right? And people find that shit. Like, if we just put, like, an MTG Finance cast out. Why can't we just put that in the title and then not talk about it? Because you know you want to talk about it, bitch. You fucking love this shit. I do love this shit, but I... I don't... I don't know. I want to talk about playing Legacy. I'm Bro, I'm then, dumb play, now. then play some Legacy, man. Oh, shit. That shots. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're playing Arena. That's true. I think that I think that uh, MTG Finance Cast, while you seem reticent to the idea, I think that you would actually really enjoy it. I, I don't want to do an MTG Finance Cast either, like in general with my life. Like that's not what I want to do, but I do think that it would bring in a lot of listeners. All right. Well, I I disagree that bringing in listeners should drive what we want to do. But if you watch. The Empire Strikes Back. Sorry. If you watch Star Wars and then The Empire Strikes Back. All right? How many, two, how many movies is that? That's two That's two movies. They're the old movies. They're the ones that your friends told you were good. I will do a finance cast with you. <sighs> the ball is in your court, sir. So what what ha- like where can I find these things? Are they on Netflix? Uh, do you want do you want VHSs? Do you want you want Blu-rays? What do you want? I think I have all of them. I don't have an Atari, so I don't know what I would do with those. But we'll we'll figure it out. I'm sure that I can find a stream for you. Yeah. So I'll, I'll think about it. But yeah, we we have a lot of valuable insight to give people, though. I think that's all. Uh, wh- where where did we break off? On this extremely long tangent, were we talking about the deck dump? So, H.J. Kaiser, I'm going to assume that the H.J. are his first two initials and not referring to anything else, had a 5-0 with a rug deck that... Okay, when I played Noble Rug Delver at the Leaving a Legacy Open, there were a bunch of people that were like, oh, is that that punishing list? And I was like, No. That sounds awful. Like, what are you even talking about? And I guess this is what they were talking about. And looking at it, 
it doesn't actually look that awful to me. This is not what I expected at all. I was thinking that there was going to be like a a rug delver list with a couple Dak Fadens, Grove of the Burn Willows, and Punishing Fire, which fucks with your days plan, fucks with your stifle plan. You know, just is not a good idea in general, in my opinion. Yep. But this is totally this is totally different. Yeah, this sort of reminds me of like 2011, or maybe before 2011 Bant. Where, like, you have the Jaces and Hierarch and Goyf, and you were playing Knight of the Reliquary instead of True Name alongside your click. The Spell Suite with the Sylvan and Brainstorm and Daze and Force and Pierce were all there. The only thing that you're trading is Lightning Bolt and Punishing Fire for Swords to Plowshares and maybe an Elspeth or something similar to that. So, I sort of like this mid-range shell. I really don't like where Tarmogoyf is right now. Me neither, bro. This is the change I would make to this deck. I completely agree. So all of the other cards are great. What would you have there, uh, Young Pyromancer? Honestly, having Young Pyromancer gets you blown out versus any minus X, minus X effects. Agreed. Like, if you play if you play Young Pyromancer, all of your creatures have one toughness. Full stop. You have nothing that survives the casualties or anything. Holy light. Man, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm looking to fill in that spot, but if you fill that with Delver, then like you're sort of pushing back to a your deck line. Right, exactly. It's it's interesting. I've been through this with with Rub trying to find like other two drops in these colors that I want to play. And I'm not going to criticize the Tarmogoyf too much because this is how I got on that Invisible Stalker tangent was like trying to find a creature in these colors that that fit my requirements of, you know, being evasive, uh, being hard to target, you know, like more true names, basically. Another thing about this list is three clicks and three true names. I would absolutely be on four true names, two clicks, obviously. But yeah, we're big true name fans here. I was just I was watching one of my old matches earlier today because I'm I'm an asshole and because um Anarog posted on Twitter he was asking for video links for legacy matches I think to use as like a time kill for the coverage that they're going to be doing and there was like a super epic game 3 that my lone true name in two land ended up beating Double Knight of the Reliquary Thalia, and it was like the most pumped I have ever been in a game of Magic ever. And I, I was watching that earlier today. <laughs> Bro, when I saw that, I was worried. I'm always worried that you're going to use the dead format Twitter and put like in parentheses Ian after you like pump your own shit. Like, <laughs> like you should really check out this match. This match with Tom is amazing. Yeah. I should do that. You, you, I 100% should do that. I'm just waiting for that day, bro. But no, I did see that. I did catch that just now on Twitter. So good for you. Hopefully that makes the uh, the national coverage or whatever. It won't. It's like it's like from two years ago, and nobody gives a shit. But but that's my that's my most epic match that I have watched, and that game three is fucking legendary. I enjoyed that match because. I'd actually gotten blown out by that dude in the Swiss. He top decked a Zealous on his last turn. So you got the revenge. 
Uh, much appreciated. No worries. So, yeah, there were some other cool decks. When I asked you if you saw any, any cool decks in this list, in this uh, deck dump, your answer was no, you don't want to talk about any of these decks. But No, I mean, like, there's lots of stuff I've seen before, stuff I've seen before. There's a Nick Fit deck with a bunch of Planeswalkers. Yay. Uh, the, you... the White Eldrazi deck was one of the ones that I had flagged. Both of the rug decks, the Noble Hierarch, Jace, Rug Punishing Fire list, and the Dak Faden, Mongoose, true name, rug list, were interesting. But everything else was like, I mean, it was kind of kind of played out, right? So you have no love for I Would Like to Respond's stasis list? I mean, originally when I looked through it, I thought that it was just like just straight miracles and i saw the teferi and the accumulated knowledge and like that whole suite right yeah then you pointed out had stasis and i was like oh that's cute and i saw the terminus in the sideboard which is great but like it's interesting but how how much can you talk about a deck that is 90 percent the same and is using Stasis to Ferry as a way to close. I like the Humility main deck. I think Humility is great, but I, I don't. I don't know about this being so much different. Yeah, you're right. I'm looking at this now. The two Humilities and two Stasises jump out at you, right? And when I first saw Teferi spoiled, I thought that the only way it would see play in Legacy was in like a Stasis deck because the untapped two lands seems like a great way to maintain that lock, right? Yep. But it's cool to see like a stasis to fairy list finally show up. This isn't all in on the plan though. This is like you said, a miracle shell with a couple cards scooped out and this plopped in. Yeah, basically like you you add humility, stasis, and mission briefing for the snapcaster mages and monastery mentors that you usually see in miracles, and you're almost at an exact miracles build. It is pretty cool, though, the Batterskull on the sideboard. I think that's pretty cool stasis tech. Yeah, well, Batterskull with Humility is pretty cool, too. Exactly, yeah. Yep, get that extra plus one, plus one. So I do think that that's cool. That's that's probably worth discussing. And there was a black-green list I'm looking for right now. It was like um, like a black-green pox list. Do you see this? Oh, that was uh, that was Dan Neely again, right? It could be. I'm pretty sure that it is. Uh, Punishing Fire, Trophy Decay, Bitter Blossom, Multiple Sylvans, and Smallpox. Yeah, so this is basically Aggro Loam without Knights or any White Cars. Or no Bobs. Like, there's no Creatures, right? Oh, yeah, there's no Bobs either, you're right. It's Aggro Loam with... With small with Smallpox, really. Yeah, so, I mean, it's fancy. I think it's pretty cool. 100% fancy. It's straight it's a little bit it's a little bit more in on the depths plan than yes. traditional aggro loam, right? Yeah, I guess that's how it's crossing the line, right? Besides the bitter blossoms. Yep. It does I don't know, it seems like a cool list to me. It, it's like a very controlled version of aggro loam. I would feel extremely naked playing this deck, but it does seem cool. Yeah, I we talked about the other interesting decks that we saw. 
this would be one that would be like lower on my i want to play this on stream <laughs> because the 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 wizards deck and the white eldrazi deck like you look at those and you know what what the game plan is right you're like i'm gonna make a bunch of wizards and daze your stuff i'm gonna make some thalios and eldrazi and attack this one's like i'm gonna grab the bedpost and hold on I, for dear life yeah i'm gonna hopefully do some things that line up well with the things that you're doing it's interesting I think that I'd be much more likely to grab his challenge list than this, but but we'll see what happens. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No. What about you? Uh, well, so we actually just got a listener question. I'm glad I checked. This is from Tim. Tim asks, uh, what was it like growing up in a time before internet? So I'm going to assume this one's for you. Okay, so first off, first off, I was part of that like generation that was sort of at the transition. Like when I was, when I was 11 or 12, we had dial up internet and have you ever heard of a BBS? No. Okay. So before we had America online, the dial up America online, I used to play a bunch of online games on these things called BBSs or bulletin board systems where you would have like a local phone number that you would call up that had like an old school server (sighs) all on modem. So like you'd log in and you'd like do your dailies on this text multiplayer dungeon game and then you'd log out and you keep on doing it. And I remember when... When I was using some BBSs in Boston and my parents had like the Metro calling plan where you could call the 617 number and it wouldn't be long distance. And then for some reason they switched and every day I would wake up in the morning and I would call into the BBS and play my games and log off and go to school. And the phone bill at the end of the month that they switched (laughs) off of it was like $800. (laughs) And... That obviously that's still the internet, but man, things were different, way different back in the day. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's a that's a history lesson for you. So you were in on Cloud Palace, huh? I don't know what Cloud Palace is. I played like similar games on a site called Cloud Palace that was like a magic uh site where they had auctions. It was like an auction house for magic cards in like ninety six. But uh no, I, I do remember using America Online chat rooms to trade magic cards. <laughs> I do not I do not remember Cloud Palace. Bro, I'm I'm like desperate to find someone who remembers Cloud Palace. That was like the majority of my magic playing back in the day was like finding games on Apprentice in the Cloud Palace bulletin board system. And yep, I remember I remember using Apprentice quite often. Yeah, it testing, was testing testing with people for Pro Tour Rome in like 98. It was kind of bullshit because there was no rules enforcement, so you could just draw extra cards whenever you wanted to and people would do that when they were losing. Yeah, but then then you know that you just won the game. Yeah, so. yeah. Whatever. So is that all we got? I think so. So where where can people get in touch with you if 
they want to tell you that they remember Cloud Palace. Well, immediately, at Ian18125, hit me up. I've been trying to find someone who remembers that fucking site for a minute now. And where can people get in touch with you if they want to tell you that they need an MTG Finance cast immediately? You can get in touch with me at TSmileyMTG on Twitter. You can follow the cast at DeadFormatCast. And if you are one of those sick people who actually enjoys the conversations that we have, you can check us out at Patreon.com slash TheDeadFormat. We have some cool things there and some nice goals that we are looking to hit. And if anybody knows of a good plumber, uh, give Tom a call. No, we had the plumber. Plumber came. Plumber did a great job. The only way it would have been better if his name was Mario and he was wearing a red hat. But That's racist. Come on. We can't be. How is that racist? I don't know, man. They That's just... a Mario Brothers joke. You know Mario Brothers, right? I know Mario Brothers, thank you. Okay, well, you, should, you barely knew what Star Wars and Star Trek were. I didn't want to assume anything. <laughs> Bro, I know about Mario. I know about magic. I know they did surgery on a grape, and that's all I know. Wait, what is this grape surgery thing? It's exactly what it sounds like. They did surgery on a grape, so. Is this important? I mean, yeah. Is it, aren't you always the one preaching that the medical uh, achievements of society are the most important? I, I'm saying they are. You know what? Never mind. Never mind.